For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, this is the Angels Podcast, and I am Adam Riggs with my co-host, Matt Gallant. We are here on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. Well, Matt, the boys are 5-2 and two in their last seven. What do you think? Let me tell you, before that travel odyssey to Chicago yesterday, Man, they were on fire. What's got me impressed, Adam, is the fact that they've been scoring more than seven runs a game. And you could have the worst pitching in the league, and if you're scoring that many runs, man, you better be winning. They are really starting to put it together. But here's what's so frustrating. You look at the scoring and everything, and they're still like 11 and a half behind the Astros. I mean, it's unbelievable. You put the Angels in any other division. So right now, uh, they're sitting at 29 and 31. That would put them... In the Central, they'd still be about 10 games back. Yeah, put them in the American League East. There's, well, they'd be about nine and a half back. But my point is... You put them in the American League East, I don't think they have the record they do because they got to play the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox multiple times. I mean, that's a meat grinder. But they're so streaky. You don't know what you're going to get half the time with these guys. But it's like we were talking earlier when they weren't hitting... Hitting is a contagious thing. When you start getting guys on base and you start getting guys, you know, holes start opening up, they can't do the shift, guys playing shallower. And, you know, they've had some pretty good breaks. Pujols had a nice little double, a sun double, uh, where the center fielder lost it. And they're starting to get breaks now. They're starting to get, Mm -hmm. people are making errors. They're just starting to roll, grabbing confidence. But the Cubs thing was a one-off. That's a brutal trip that they had to make. But other than oh, that, you know, they're, they're playing yeah, well. So, playing dude, well. so brutal. Listen how brutal it is, ready? So not only did they lose a day off, all right, at home, but they had to travel 4,500 miles from Seattle to Chicago to Anaheim in roughly 24 hours. Think about yeah. that. People are like, oh, they're professionals and they're on the plane. It doesn't matter. They're human beings. Just in regular everyday life, if you had to make that trip in 24 hours, you'd be pissed at your boss. Let me just say this. I agree with you, but if you gave mm-hmm. the average Joe a chance to fly a, car, a chartered plane back True. and forth, eat whatever they want the whole way, play cards with the boys, the guy that's shoveling dirt or raising four kids and gets home from work and they're just beating on them, or the, the housewife that's you know raising four kids that can't get out of the house, I think some of them would sign she up for that right her. now. Uh, no, of course, of course, but think about it. I just put it like in layman's terms. It's relative. Uh, You're right. said it a little earlier about um, how the Angels are getting some breaks. However, yeah. I watched in the game yesterday in Chicago, and when LaCroix hit that line drive to right center, Gonzalez is out. There's first game on the Cubs, right? Mm-hmm. They just take them up. He's not known for his glove. I'm thinking, okay, this is a gap or it's at least two. Bases clearing double. And then Gonzalez makes that, I don't want to say over the shoulder, but running catch. It was like a dive, but 45 degrees away from the plate, which is crazy. You know, usually you see a diving catch, it's a 90 degree angle, but he actually dove 45 degrees backwards towards center field. He was playing right field. 
That yeah. was insane. That was an amazing catch. And Osmus said afterwards, he's like, hey, a uh, potential momentum shifter for us. And he shut it down. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what you call a game changer. That's a game changer. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Sure, for sure. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, as a player, and I'm sure you've been in that situation, I'm sure you've robbed guys, and I'm sure you've gotten robbed. That's got to hurt more than just a regular out, obviously. But as a pro, do the pros get pissed about that? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, it just depends on your demeanor. But heck, yeah, right. man. It, your memory is so short when it comes to that, right? So, you know, you feel like you're always getting robbed and everybody else has got this luck. I mean, that's just natural because you're so consumed, you know, with your stats. And baseball is such a stat-oriented game. So you're constantly thinking that you are never going to get a hit again and you're getting robbed all over the place and you should be batting 300 but keep getting robbed. If you had this guy's luck, you'd be way over. But, yeah, I mean, it hurts. I mean, it hurts a lot more than grounding out the short. But the frustrating thing about hitting is that you can do everything right in your power and you still fail. That's the hard part about hitting. That's the hard thing to understand. And, you know, pitching's the other way around, right? Like, you can do everything in your power and do everything right, and some guy just squibs one off the end of the bat and it goes over the first baseman's head for a double. You know, and you're like, come on, give me a break. But it's the beauty of baseball. you got 162 games, and you play them out. And the theory is they'll even out. But, you know, with this new uh, stat cast, they're starting to uh, to have these oh, yeah. stats where it'll show what a guy should be hitting based on his hard-hit balls and what he actually hit. It's interesting. Like, you'll see a guy with unbelievable stats for one year. The next year, he's, like, not the same guy. It does happen. But now they can quantify that and say, oh, maybe we don't back up the Brinks truck on this guy because we know what he's his actual hard hit ball percentage is his average exit velocity is you know all of that stuff yeah that's that's why there are a lot of these guys out there free agents that you never dreamed wouldn't be playing outside of Dallas Keuchel Sox I mean those are drafts that's all because of the draft picks but some of these other dudes who are in their early 30s I'm sure they looked at all those stats and said this guy is on the super decline there's no yes. way we're passing him. Yes, and you I want to go back. Now. Yeah, you can see it, and I have to get this in once a show. You know it. You're talking about hitting. Did I mm-hmm. mention I'm ten for twenty this year? <laughs> I had two doubles this weekend, partner. Two. And let me just let me just fill the uh, let me just fill the oh. listeners in on this. I mean, Stop. those two doubles. I mean, it, it sounded like you actually ran a Boston Marathon because you're telling me how sore you are and and how you know how much of a toll it's taken on your body. I mean, you played two games the whole week. These guys are playing 162 you know games in six months. I mean, come on, man. But I'm gonna tell you right now. Man, most of those guys won't even be upright at my age. So there you have it. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> what a trooper. No, I was thinking when you're talking about, you know, getting robbed and stuff. Mm-hmm. People that don't play baseball, I was trying to think of a good analogy. And it's one of two things. For you people out there who may not play baseball, it would be kind of like almost getting a date with the hottest chick in the world. You think you have the date, and then she says no. It's kind of like that. Or to make it even easier, like, you know, when you see that sweet parking spot and you go to turn your car around and it's gone. Would you agree with that? I don't know. <laughs> I, no, absolutely not. I would be getting robbed. <laughs> from, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's a stretch. I'm trying to think of people that, people that don't play. You know? I, I can't play think. I can't think of an example. I cannot think of an example, but I know it's not those two. <laughs> can Can I tell a story? Should I tell a story? It's not bad. I'll save it, but it's an example of almost. I almost went out with this um, very famous actress, and this was before she was famous. Night before we were supposed to go out, she called and she said, I can't. I'm shooting a pilot tomorrow. It's called Desperate Housewives. And needless to say, we never went out. Oh, wow. Yeah. I won't say who it was. Hot Latina chick. I won't say who it was. Um, okay. But maybe that could be like getting robbed. I mean, but that's why I use that example. I thought I had the homework. That's not bad. Hey, so last podcast, we were talking about bringing some young pitchers up, right? They did. Pretty good results, too, huh? Dude, let's take a look at that. Look at his numbers. So here he is. He's a lefty, right? Major yes. League debut. You're thinking, okay, he pitched five and two thirds innings, only gave up three runs on five hits, three walks and four strikeouts. Not bad. And he's the club's number five prospect. That is amazing to get that first win. Now, the Mariners are struggling a bit, but, man, a pro team is a pro team. Good news. That is really good news for the Halos. Uh, Jose Suarez, we're talking about Jose Suarez. I forgot to mention his name. Yeah, 21 years old. I think he's in the top five or the fifth youngest player that was in the major leagues or something like that. I believe that's what they said. I mean, not everything we say is going to be accurate here because I'm, I'm not sitting in front of it, but he's one of the youngest guys in the league. He comes up. He looked really good. His changeup is pretty filthy. Fastball is not overpowering. But man, that changeup is pretty good. Threw a really good game. Five and two-thirds. He gave up three runs. One of them was a home run. Two of them came after it was like a seven-run inning, and he was just sitting there. I think he threw like 89 pitches. But that's one of those things where he threw 88-89, and they were saying in Salt Lake or even in the minor leagues, he hasn't gone past five innings. They protect these guys so much, and they limit their pitch count. I think the highest he threw was like 89 pitches in the minor leagues as well. And so it's almost like they're phasing out those pitchers that can throw seven, eight, nine innings. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It kind of seems like to me it's a different game. You know, they're not letting these guys go, you know, much over 100 pitches. I mean, they pulled this guy, yeah. what, after 88, 89 pitches. Yeah. And I can understand that because it's a big lead. But what's crazy is I was watching MLB Network. It was John Smoltz. But he was talking about when he came up, they never had a thing pitch count. Smoltz said, mm-hmm. there was no such thing as pitch count. He goes, my rookie year, I think he threw 150 pitches in one game. 150 pitches. A manager would get fired if they let anybody throw that many pitches these days. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's insane. But that's yeah. good news for the Angels because here's a guy, you know, he's a lefty. Like you said, he's got a changeup. He's only 21. The guy can throw strikes. Lefties last a long time in Major League Baseball if yeah. they're decent. No doubt. Haney had a good start. I don't think he got the win on his start. But, man, that dude, 10 strikeouts in six innings. He's a strikeout machine. I mean, it's and crazy, I like his, his numbers. I like his socks, too, the way he's wearing his socks, you know, hiked up. <laughs> yeah. Total yeah. old school. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they're looking good. I mean, um, 
Pena is pitching well. It's getting to the point now where you bring back the Dark Knight, Harvey back. He has enough yeah. another rough outing. They're going to be, you know, they're sending guys up and down just to try to get as many stars as they can and enough yeah. pitching as they can for this long stretch without any off days. But it's going to be interesting, especially where they're sitting right now, right? And to your point earlier, you almost got to take your eyes off at the Astros. They keep getting further and further away. And the thing is, the Angels, you know, they win tonight, they'll be game under 500. Still in fourth place. Ken Rosenthal, the, the baseball writer, they were talking about the Angels this morning. I was watching on Baseball Network. Dude, you'd swear I work for Baseball Network because I keep talking about it. There's so much I love baseball. So I'm watching it, and they brought up the fact that the Angels, the way they are now, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, you know, not even a wild card, saying all this stuff. And what an injustice it is to Mike Trout, the best player in the game. And Rosenthal, who I love this guy, he knows his stuff. He said, somebody said, you think they'll make it? He's like, eh. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, they don't have the pitching. They don't have the pitching. And the thing is this, he's like, Dallas Keuchel. I know they don't want to spend all the money. They got serious about the arms. And we talked about pitching last week. I mean, they've got the makings of a really solid team. Right now, they're basically 500 without their starting left fielder. Their shortstop is injured. Shohei Otani, one of the starting pitchers, he, yeah, he's only hit 225, but so he's not pitching. That Cozart filling guy, he went out with injuries. It has just been one thing after another. But this team, as we discussed before, they've got the structure there, the infrastructure of something that could be really good if the pitching makes the turn, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but it looks like they've got the pieces in place. It's just, I think the two glaring weaknesses are, you know, obviously Cahill. And mm-hmm. Harvey. I mean, they have Cahill's got a is two and six with a seven point one eight. Harvey is two and four with a seven point five zero. You know, that's their yeah. issue, right? You've got I think Skaggs is solid, four point five mm-hmm. ERA, not bad. Then you've got Haney. Haney's gonna be legit and Canning mm-hmm. is legit. Yeah. Now yeah. do you plug in the, the rookie left hander? I keep forgetting his name, right? Do you plug him in and give him another start coming up? It's really not that bad. You know, if you if you go with the younger arm. I think they're gonna ride out with them and see where they go, but at some point you gotta say, What do we do with them? Yeah. So. Yeah, you really do. And like we talked last week, I mean it's a lot of money coming off the books in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. You got him, man. You got to take advantage of the best player in baseball, dude. He is the best in the game. You got Pena, too. You got Pena as a starter, right? And so, right. I mean, right. he, he usually yeah. gets an opener, but he's at a 3 4 2. So, Pena, Canning, Haney, right? That's three solid starters. So, I think they got yeah. a chance, and they're only two and a half out of the wild card. You know, Tampa Bay, that's plus four and a half above everybody. Then you get the Rangers that are one game up of the Red Sox. And then the Angels are only two and a half behind them. So it's like you've got the, the top tier teams that are leading the division. And then after that, it's just a it's a dogfight, you know. So that's true. But that's happens. very that's a very, very valid point. I mean, yeah, two and a half out of the wild card. And it's super early. It really is going to come down to how are the Angels going to like mix and match the young guys with the new guys? Can uh, the Dark Knight turn it around? I mean, if the guy's pitching 500, those couple wins are going to make a difference in the wild card. Because like you said, you look at everybody behind. The Red Sox are 30 and 29 for game out. Cleveland's 30 and 30. The A's 29 and 30. Okay, so you're right. It's right there. 
And nobody's taking. I mean, the, the Rays are really good. Um, they're leading the league in uh, in ERA. But, but I'll tell you, any anybody else, the Angels, they're right there. And at some point, I know you have a bunch of money. If, and let's be honest, if Harvey was a rookie and wasn't getting nine million, he, he'd be in Salt Lake right now. Got rid of him. He wouldn't go to the minors, right? So they they traded him. We both know that yeah. injuries play such a role in professional sports especially baseball. Maybe Otani yeah. comes around, starts hitting better. I mean, he's not hitting the way he usually hits. But let me tell you, coming back from any arm injury, it is it is so hard. When I, I tore my labor in my right shoulder, and I'll tell you what, I had a, such a tough time coming back from that. And they, they're like, oh, yeah, you should be good in nine months to a year. Well, no, you're, you're never feeling good. I mean, it takes you a couple of years to come back from that. Now, they know a lot more now. They can rehab a lot better than when I was playing. But I'll tell you what, I mean, you go out there and your brain has a way of thinking that says, hey, when the ball's here, I'm swinging now and I'm getting and I'm hitting this pitch here and I can look away and still react in and hit it. Well, all of a sudden, if you don't have the strength in that arm, that split second it takes to get your bat out ahead of the plate to hit that inside pitch, you just don't get it there. And it's a fraction of a second, a fraction of a second that is the difference between pounding that ball into the seats and just getting jammed and hitting a weak roller to the third baseman. It's a fraction of a second. But in baseball, that's an eternity. And so I guarantee you, Tommy has the thought process of, hey, you know, this is what I usually do, but his body is not able to uh, react the way his brain is thinking. That's what he's going to have to deal with. And you might get the okay, and you might be healthy enough, and you might not injure yourself again, but the strength's not there, and the, the reaction time is not there. And no matter what you yeah. do, Hopefully, we get Upton back in there. He hits the way he can hit. All of a sudden, two and a half games, that's not a lot of games. We made up two and a half yeah. the last, last 10 games of the season one year. So You know, it's true. Without Simmons in there, yeah. i got to mention my guy, Cole Calhoun, going deep. The other night, got 12 bombs, 243. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's looking good. You know what I love? I love that David Fletcher is the leading hitter. I met that guy at spring training this year. First of all, he was so nice and so quiet and polite. And he's, I'm like the same size as he is. So I'm like, yeah, rooting for the little guy. And he's raking, dude, 322, playing some strong shortstop. There's such potential with the lineup. You know, and it really comes down to, yeah, if those two spots in the, in the, um, Mm the rotation can just turn it around, dude, even 500. Well, here's another thing. That Cesar Pueyo, that dude's been playing real well. I mean, he's been a pretty good surprise. It's just stepping in for five games, batting 429, a couple of home runs, six RBIs yeah. in five games. That's solid, oh, yeah. man. That's That's been a little spark plug there. So that's cool. I mean, but, you know, in baseball, you've got a finite amount of a position. You might have a good collective group of guys. If you have one game-changer guy, he's worth, like, two good guys, right? Because he can do the production oh, of two good guys in one mm-hmm. spot. Then you've got that same production in one spot, and you can add on to that with another spot that's open because you only have nine hitters that you can run out there. I don't know if that makes sense, but two guys, they might be hitting 280 and some doubles and hit a bunch of singles and maybe not drive in as many runs, scores as many runs. If you can put those two guys the production on 
you know, one guy, like a trout. That's why trout's so valuable, right? He does the production right. of two guys as of one guy. Mm -hmm. You That leaves you another spot open to plug another guy in there that picks up even more production. So I think Upton being hurt and Otani kind of struggling a little bit. Now they just got to manage those downward slides, right? And I don't know whether it's because when they play a team that's really good, they just can't mm -hmm. match up and they win the games they should win, or it's just, hey, they're a streaky team. Right now they're going through the gauntlet and they don't have a lot of days off or any days off there for a long stretch. After the All-Star break, things will clarify uh, pretty quickly. Well, tonight, like as you mentioned, Angels open an eight-game homestand tonight, hosting Oakland. They can beat Oakland. Seattle, yeah. they put yeah. their herd on Seattle, and then they, they yeah. wrap it up with the Dodgers, the freeway series. Now, that's going to be a different thing. Dodgers are just out of this world yeah. at, at every position. You try um, to win one of those games. Hopefully, you win one. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You so. take one of those. Right. Yeah, we do sound like a broken record, but we speak the truth. Hey, so I was looking at the draft. And so the Angels picked their first two picks. They picked a, um, a shortstop, Will Wilson from North Carolina State, uh, number 15 overall pick. Okay, so he's a shortstop. But in their second pick, they picked another shortstop. But this kid from high school, Kyron Parrott from uh, Oakley, California, he's 17. He's uh, like super athletic dude. My question is this. I know you get a draft multiple people in multiple positions why go with two shortstops in your first round what's the thought on that any idea usually your best athlete in high school and in college is the shortstop if you can play shortstop you can play third you can play second you can play first you can probably play center field left field and right field that's the best spot now that number one pick i read a little projection on him they say that he, he's a great hitter, great hands, really good, but he projects as a second baseman. Plus, yeah. plus he's a college player. This guy's 17. I doubt they're going to progress up the system. Like Wilson's good to go in a couple years. Some of those guys come right out of college and play. And the other dude, Paris, is going to be more of a, okay, you're a kid. Let's uh, groom you and get you up here yeah. when you're 21 or 22. Yeah, yeah okay. but what I think they're saying is you draft the best athlete, obviously. But for them, right. they're saying, well, shoot, if this guy fills out, guess what? We throw him over to third base. Or if this guy projects more towards the second, we move him and we play him at second. And now we bring up the 17-year-old. He plays shortstop. You just try to get the best athletes you possibly can. And then from there, you worry about where they're going to play. But that's the beauty of having shortstops. It's like when the Steelers right. used to draft a bunch of linebackers. They knew that when they had those guys, they were athletes. They were absolute animals. And they would stick them on special teams. And they would just they would just be animals right. on right. special teams for two or three years. They'd learn Dick LeBeau's defense. And next thing you know, they just reloading every single year. Well, shortstop, you can play any position. That's who they thought was the best guys. And, you know, and then they went like eight pitchers in the next picks. Yeah, right. Like I saw that. that. But that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you play baseball, you totally get it. And it's like that growing up, the, the best guy was the shortstop. And you, like you said, if you can play shortstop, Shortstop, you can pretty much play anywhere in the diamond because that is that's a tough, tough position. Look yeah. at the guys too. Look, look at the big money guys in the major leagues. They're shortstops. You got Machado, well, shortstop, got all that money. They moved him to third, but he plays third short. You can play really play anywhere. You could uh, Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. He just signed that huge extension. Shortstop can play third, play really anywhere. Look, look at the Houston Astros. Bregman mm -hmm. 
came up, he's a shortstop in college. They put him at third. The yep. guy's, guy's an MVP. Yep. And then they have Correa, yeah. who Correa is another guy. So, yeah, so that makes a it's lot true. of sense. It's true because if you can get the production of a third baseman, yet he plays shortstop, you're ahead of the game, way ahead of the game. Because shortstop traditionally, I mean, that's got to be a position where there's got to be a stud to play short. And you got to have a cannon. You got to be lightning quick. Got to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. You're basically the leader of the infield. You're the priority on every pop up. You're communicating with all the guys. You know, I'll tell you yeah. though, you know, if you go back to when you played, not saying that you're old or anything like that. I'm not, Adam. I promise. But you think about when you but think about when you played and a little bit before that. Shortstop was always a good glove. If they couldn't hit, wasn't that big of a deal. But nowadays, everybody in that lineup has got to basically hit. You don't see many teams carrying guys that have a weak stick just because they have a good glove. Not many. But I mean, look at everybody in, in the Angels lineup. Everybody in that lineup can hit. Even LaCroix, and that, and it's funny how really in the last 10, 15 years, it's, you know, offense is king, man. And you're right. To your point, it was the Aussie Smith, Omar Vizcal. That was the prototypical shortstop. Then you had your Cal Ripken was the first guy that was, I think he was six. He was the first guy that was just, uh-oh, wait a minute. This guy's a different animal. And then you had A-Rod, and then you had... A-Rod, yeah, yeah, the guy that really kind of opened things up where guys were like, mm-hmm. you can push guy. Yeah, exactly. And he can hit, and he can field. Yeah. Exactly. So I think every sport, hockey, tennis, football, everybody is getting bigger, faster, stronger, bigger, longer levers. I think that the training techniques are there in order to allow these guys to keep their balance, to time things up, to sequence their movements. It's sports science and the way these guys train now. And, the, you know, these kids just seem getting bigger and bigger every day. It's kind of crazy where the game's going, but it's, uh, it's fun to watch. I enjoy it. I, I think it's great. Oh, I do too. And and I, I saved an article. I wanted to pull it up. MLB sets record for most home runs in a single month. I think it's awesome. You, you know, yeah. entering the final day of May, MLB needed 25 home runs to set the record in a month. They did. It was 1,127 home runs. <laughs> think about oh, that. Crazy. And let's face it, man. When you see super small guys going up or tank and having like, double-digit home runs already. We know they're throwing harder. The guys are stronger, but those, the ball has to be juiced. It's got to be. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you see Luis uh, Rengifo hit that home run he hit. I read a quote from him. He's like, oh, I've been waiting to get that monkey off my back. And he's like, I hit it. I thought it would go out. I mean, it hit the third deck. He said, I thought it I would got- go out. And it hits the third deck. You're like, come on, dude. That's insane. But it's a different game. And Tim Salmon said it correctly. He's like, look, nowadays it's a shoebox. The zone is a shoebox. You have to throw it over the box. You can't hit like just off the plate. He's like, man, I used to hit home runs on balls that are off the plate. I mean, the advantage is all on the hitter side right now. The ball is juiced. They've got Quest Tech and they've got these tracking devices on every single field that shows where every pitch is. The guys are getting graded, so they will not give anything outside that box. I think they're throwing harder, but I don't think they're throwing that much harder. They're getting the ball directly out of a hand instead of halfway there, whatever it is, right? Back when we were playing. It's like these guys are just absolutely crushing. And another thing is mentality is different as a hitter. Back then, you were like, please don't strike out. Please don't strike out. You can't strike out. you know, you were so afraid of striking out that you would choke up. You'd have your two-strike approach. You'd try to put the ball in play. You never wanted to strike out. Nowadays, 
you know, you see a guy like Joey Gallo striking out, I don't know how many times, and they'd still given him massive amount of money. Now, he turned it around, but he was batting 200, right? Yeah, 200. A couple years ago, and, 200, and so the, where he had more homers yeah. than singles. So now it's like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about striking out. I can take three massive rips at this thing, and if I hit it out, I'm, I'm good, you know? And if I strike yeah. out, yeah. okay. I don't, it doesn't matter. And so the game is completely changed. Yeah, it really has. And they were talking about it the other night. I was watching the game and some, one of the analysts was going off. He was a former pitcher. Oh, this ball is juiced. And, you know, the the other guy was like, dude, strikeouts don't matter so much. Guys aren't embarrassed about it. And, you know, the launch angle, everybody's, you know, got the uppercut. Remember Teddy ball game back in the day? He'd say, hey, swing up, right? Teddy mm-hmm. Ballgame had a slight up, uppercut. Yeah, and, you know, match, they, match, he, he yeah. would say, look, I'm going to match the trajectory of the ball, right? That was his theory. Right. And then Charlie Lau in the 80s came along. Remember Charlie Lau? Like the, oh, yeah. The weight I shift. Started, weight shifting. I ruined my career when I was in high school. Because <laughs> I was trying to do that crap where, you know, like George Brett, where you're leaning back. Yeah, Tim Raines. Ed had so much movement. Man, I couldn't hit a watermelon if it was thrown at me. But, you know, nowadays they, they're figuring out. Now the technology is so great that you can say, look, dude, your launch angle, you're averaging this. Your exit velocity, you're averaging this. If you can just get your launch angle to this with the amount of exit velocity that you have, you're going to, and, and I think we discussed this before, there's a stat called Barrel, B-A-R-R-E-L, I believe it's called. And Barrel shows you if you hit a ball over 100 miles an hour, you need to have your launch angle at, say, it's 20 to 25 degrees. And you're going to hit 500 with a 1,500 slugging percentage. We talked about this before, but I'll just say it again. If you get up to 115 degrees or 115 miles an hour, 120 now you can hit it from eight degrees to 50 degrees. And at that point, you're still batting 500 with 1,500. And, and, and there's a real hot spot in there where it's a home run every time. And so these guys can now hit off these machines that track all of this stuff and work on, okay, I just got to hit, you know, I got to hit it maybe half an inch out in front a little bit more. Or my bat pass got to go, got to get in the zone a little bit early and come and finish a little bit higher. And so now all of that, you can see it. It's so much information that guys are getting really good, really smart at it. I was at spring training at the White Sox camp. Main team was out in the field. And I went back to the batting cage and there was a dude work in there. And they had all this gear set up. And they had um, a sensor on the handle of his bat. They had him standing on the batter's box with a big sensor pad. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they were tracking all this stuff. And the guy turned around and goes, you can't, you can't video this. You know, this is like top secret stuff. I'm like, okay. But I sat there and watched. And yeah, they were telling, okay, your hands are here. Take, come take a look at it. They were breaking down literally, it seemed like every inch of his swing, which was unbelievable to think an athlete would be able to say, okay, I'm going to make that just half-inch adjustment. But with repetition, anything's possible, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the key, right? You know, a lot of times you had to have the hitting coach tell you, hey, look, you're doing this, or you would videotape yourself. A lot of times with the hitting coach saying, hey, come on in here. Let's make this adjust, mate. Because things happen during the season. Your hands might drop and you might close off in your stance. You might be stepping in. You just don't know. Like, you're not really plugged in and watching video all the time. But usually it's the hitting coach saying, yeah, come on in. Let's work on this. But a lot of times it's his eye and your feel. 
and eventually right. you work it out and you get you back. But shoot, if you can have this video or you can have all these system hooks up, I mean, they're showing where pressure on his feet are and where they are in his stance, 60, 40 weight distribution, or when I swing the weights transferring here, they're even breaking it down like that, I guess, from what you were oh. seeing. It's dangerous when you get a, an unbelievable athlete with all this data. Obviously, there's some guys that are probably like, hey, enough's enough. I remember reading an article where the Astros would be like, yeah, we try to give them as much as they want, but pull back when they're like, some guys don't want it. But they said, you know, when they got Verlander, Verlander wanted it all. He was like, give, oh, yeah. give me it all. So it just depends on the player. You know, and I wanted to ask you this. As a player, when you get into a slump, I mean, do, do they benefit? Did you benefit from just studying more, hitting more in the cage? Or were you one of those guys that was like, you know what, I'm just going to step back a little bit, clear my mind, and just go back to what I, I used to know or, or what got me here? What was what was your modus operandi? Well, that's what a good hitting coach is there for. Because a good hitting coach, there's times where you're struggling. It feels like you're never going to get a hit again and the sky is falling. And hitting coach is like half hitting coach, half psychiatrist. They're always there to be like, hey, man, you're fine. Don't worry. It's long season. You're going to be all right. Maybe here early. We'll work on it. And you get to the point where you work on it, work on it. But if you start going paralysis by analysis, then you got to do the old, hey, look, they'll tell you, you go <laughs> ahead and uh, go have a all-nighter and show up and uh, <laughs> right. you know, don't worry about BP, just show up and play. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, let's do it. Some point, your head. I, mean, I mean, sometimes your buddies will even be like, we're going out tonight. When you're on suicide watch and they're starting to hide sharp objects and, you know, <laughs> taking out the shoestrings on your shoes, you know something's wrong. And, and usually your buddies come up to you and they're like, all right, let's go. We're, uh, we're going out tonight. And, and yeah. usually that helps when you get to the park and you're like, you're worried more about how bad your head hurts than if you're going to get a hit or not. That's usually when you come back around and you start getting some hits. Because a lot of times it's just you inducing pressure on yourself and, and right. it. but you know the thing is it's funny when you're slumping everybody knows it even the opposing players know it I mean the pitcher gets up there and he just after, they've got like this detector where they're like oh yeah this guy's really struggling and they just yeah. on you man they just I mean it, they just absolutely abuse you and when you're hot they won't even throw you a strike there's got to be some sort of sixth sense these guys have but anyway that's kind of the different stages of the slump busting it's kind of like anything I think in life when you see someone or you know even the animal world animals will prey on those that are fearful and weak right i can't imagine going up there facing these some of the best pitchers in the world knowing that they know you're struggling and they're not going to throw you shit because they know you're just going to be pushing too hard the beauty of baseball in sports in general i mean that that transcends all sports you know one guy's going to be aggressive the other guy is going to back down a lot of times you'll have two aggressive guys that just butt heads right and and they kind of like i'll get the next guy you know that transcends all sports you know? no, that's yeah. true yeah that's it's all right, yeah. I appreciate it, man. That was a good podcast. Why don't you uh, yeah, check this out? Some good stuff. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. We are available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. And at Believe Podcasts. And hey, folks, if you like us, please rate the show on iTunes and in the description. Write a question, and we will try to answer it on the show. Yeah, Adam, there you have it, buddy. Great job. My prediction for next week, I think the Angels are going to, let's see, they get an eight-game homestand. I'm calling six and two. Nah, five and three. Five and three, huh? Oakland, right? So Oakland, Seattle, Dodgers. I'm going to go, shoot, I'm with you, five and three. 
I'm, I'm with you. That Dodger game's really kind of scary. Yeah, that car, man. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna tell you, I I love watching the Dodgers because, man, every night it's it's just another dude stepping in and going deep, and uh, they're just they're a fun team to watch. They're um, awesome, dude. Yeah, you know what? And they have fun, man. They're just lighthearted, and they they don't take it too seriously. They have some fun. So I, man, I, I was team to watch. Yeah. I was I was in their clubhouse this spring training, and we're in there doing an interview. I'm interviewing uh, Max Muncy. In the back, it was I think it was Cody Bellinger and. Um, What's his name? We're playing ping pong. Uh, God, they're big relievers. Just that hard surgery. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jensen, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing ping pong, and they're just laughing. And I guess Jensen missed the shot, and he lets out the biggest F-bomb. It was so fun. We're all like, what? <laughs> Everybody was cracking up because they were interviewing Muncy, and his face was just like, he looks at me, he's like, can, can you use that? And we're like, no. But, yeah, they were fun. They were, they were all loosey-goosey in that clubhouse, man. On that note. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Angels. Go Angels. Woo! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.